There's a code I live by. There is? It goes like this. Sometimes the ride can be more exciting than the destination. Oh, yeah, that's I wish that like had you. been my yearbook quote. I wish it had been. <laughs> Instead, my quote was, please don't hit me. No. Hey, <laughs> well, guess what? I'm bringing up all this for a reason. The 2024 <laughs> Nissan Pathfinder can take you from muddy jungle paths to rolling sand dunes. But it's not about where you go. Don't you get it? In a Pathfinder, the real excitement comes from getting there. Yeah. It's the journey, man. Chase bigger adventures with Pathfinder. Seven drive modes and available intelligent four-wheel drive. Seven drive modes. That's a lot of drive modes. Well, specifically seven, yeah. Yeah. And bring the fun with you with Pathfinder's 6,000 pounds of towing capacity. And I love to tow. 6,000 pounds. What? I like to tow stuff. You don't tow anything. Yes, I do. I'm going to buy a boat tomorrow and tow it. (laughs) I'll never put it in the water, but I'll tow it and I'll use it. I'll tow it in my Pathfinder. Hey, visit (laughs) NissanUSA.com to learn more. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Towing capacity varies by configuration. See Nissan Towing Guide and Owner's Manual for additional information. Always secure cargo. You got to secure cargo. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hear me? I did. I heard you. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need. You just say that and they show up. They come jumping out of a shrub. Oh, cool. No matter where you are in life, when you need the coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. My name's Rami Youssef, and I feel, I feel the inevitability of God coming into our lives about being Conan O'Brien's friend. I feel like I've wanted to meet you for such a long time. Dude, this is the only correct answer anyone's ever given. Right? Yeah, that is the correct answer. God made this happen. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell. Walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hey there, welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. And I do need a friend. I think we all need a friend. The operative word here is need. Yeah. I really do need someone. We're worried about you. To be my friend, and you should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I'm joined as always. By Matt. How are you, Matt? I'm good, thanks. Oh, okay. That went well. Sona, how are you? Nice. I'm good. Okay. That's, That's good. Went well. That's nice. Why don't you guys ask me how I'm doing? Um, I'm okay. Okay. Wow. Well, in case you hadn't noticed, I took a big chunk out of my face. What happened? Wait, are you serious? Did you, have you noticed it? Yeah. No. Shaving. I never do that anymore. Oh, Shaving I thought with. the dermatologist. No, no, no. But it's oh. it's funny because here's the thing. I did this two days ago and you know that uh, I'm just shaving um, but are you just shaving or are you like, oh, yes. you shaving well, with a Zamboni? Well, Sona, tell them, this is honest. This is well, true. Well, I think because anything you've you do it. is just very like, oh, I just want to get this over with, right? Like, so I feel like you're just like angrily. That's what I shout and- as I'm making love. <laughs> I just want to get this over with. <laughs> That's hot. It's been 40 seconds. <laughs> this is intolerable. Oh, my God. My wife.
wife is a saint. Uh, <laughs> no, but I most <laughs> everyday things, things that you just have to do, you're annoyed by. Well, it's not that I'm annoyed. I just and I've seen my father does this too. Like when my father would wash his hands. He, the way Superman squeezes a piece of coal into a diamond, mm. that's how my father would wash his hands. There's something in my genetic or cultural makeup, which is when I, all those years, Sona, when I'd do a show and I'd have makeup on afterwards, they'd give me these nice, moist, you know, towelettes that take the makeup off. Yeah. I would shred them against my face. Yeah. Like I was trying to eliminate all of my features with sandpaper. <laughs> oh, and, and so what happens is I have to tell myself when I'm shaving, just chill. You don't, you know, they always tell you, you don't push down, especially yeah. with these, you know, modern blades and they have the swivel action head, the Atra, whatever. They're just, you, you're just supposed to- Oh, um, you really got it. And I took, now- you guys are going to get mad at me, but I have a very strong jawline. And so, which is... It's not we're not mad. Why it's more you, just pity, I guess. Oh, is that what it... No, I no, no, just, no. Like, I have you, a, uh, what I'm saying is okay. I have a very, uh, you know, strong, handsome jawline. It's when you say things like that. And um, one of the canons of beauty, uh, male beauty for many years... Uh, and so when it has to take that turn, sometimes when I'm impatient, uh, mm. and so I have this oh. uh, deep chunk that I took out of the side of my face. Here's the interesting thing. It's really noticeable and it's like a long scrape and scar. It'll heal up in a couple of days. No one's said a thing. No one has said, hey, Conan, what happened? Which makes me think that people think that I like try to have a facelift. No, oh, I'll no. tell you exactly what it is because okay. it, it is a gash that you would not associate with a, just a razor, Nick. Yeah, it seems like you have um, a condition or like you've got I don't know shingles or something like that. <laughs> Jesus. Well, yeah. well, and you still didn't say anything. Why didn't you say anything? <laughs> well, I don't want to point that out. If you would have already known it, I'm sure. Did you notice it? So, Adam, you noticed it. Adam's coming over. I did. We were talking in the kitchen earlier yeah and i did notice it but why not say hey what happened i thought it was like you went to the doctor and they took a biopsy sort of yeah thing. it, it is like it's a divot in your chin but oh. it eduardo like did you notice it i did not know oh that's right you're not really that <laughs> yeah. into me He's or my welfare watching the soccer games over there <laughs> i do think a lot of people who do know you maybe saw it and were like he cut himself shaving angrily again <laughs> i do classic I, conan just yeah yeah. Angrily shaved his face and ripped a part of it off. But what is that? Because you've seen it in action, Sona, and I don't just again. It's this. I'm gonna shave now. <laughs> energy, and I, I honestly don't know. But that's the approach I take to eating. Like I'm gonna get this food in me. Yeah. And then I've just got to get to my coffin and, and die. I, and I bet. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, it's like where is this whole? And I bet from? like brushing your teeth. You oh brush my, it angrily. I do that too. And well, like, that's even, why I've seen you put hair product in your hair, and you're like, get a fucking hair product. Like, I don't put hair product in my hair. <laughs> yes, you do. I've seen you. Sona, I don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've never put hair product in my hair. That's not something I would ever do. Okay, I'm sorry. What happened? You don't want to... We're just going to tell the party line. <laughs> I don't put hair product in my hair. Okay. Okay? Is your food thing, and maybe I can relate to this, I don't really do anymore because now I appreciate food and you can tell because my belly's growing. I'm becoming a fat daddy. But listen, <laughs> is it that your meals are just like, oh, these are in the way of the rest of the day. This is just utilitarian stuff I got to get through to... I remembered as a kid, and this is true, wishing, 
you know the way they came up with Soylent yeah. in Silicon yeah. Valley? Yeah. This um, sort of warm, milky drink that gives you pretty much everything you're supposed to have. And it was a big thing because coders and, quote, geniuses, they don't need to be distracted. They right. can just sit there and go gloop and gloop and gloop <laughs> and get everything they need while they're coding. I remembered coming up with that idea mm-hmm. when I was in fifth grade yeah. <laughs> because I was so intense and focused and a little crazy that I was thinking, why well, isn't there just a cube yeah. I can have, like a blue cube that I just eat and it gives me what I need and then I can get back to hating myself. <laughs> oh, so, um, yeah, it's a but problem. But you're so aware of it. Why don't you just change change yourself? Uh, <laughs> like, well, if listen you, to if what you're me. asking. You know what I mean? I don't know. I mean, why don't you, like, when you're angrily shaving, just be like, Conan. No, I, but you have. Stop. Yes. Yes, but you have to be on it all the time. And I am pretty good. I'm better than I used to be. But then my wife is constantly saying to me, no one's taking that away from you. We'll be in a restaurant and I'm just, and she's like, no one's taking that away from you. And she always says, Neil isn't here, my older brother. She's like, Neil's not here. He's not going to take that pork chop. Uh, Now, I do think Neil is going to get that pork chop. He's in the the vents of the restaurant (laughs) with a fishing rod and a hook. He's going to get that. But yeah, yeah, I do think this was a moment where I forgot. And it's not just a little nick. I took a piece of my face off. Yeah. What if you do an artery or something? Oh, right. You're joking. And then we have to say like, oh, he was just angrily shaving his face. What a way to go. It's actually not a bad way to go. What are you what, bleeding out because you, you were shaving? Feels like falling asleep. Oh. Oh. Come on, man. Oh. Oh. Come on. Anywho. Uh. Well, should we wrap this up? Seems Wait. like a pretty good no, place. I, yeah. Just yeah. don't shave. Yeah, would you ever bring the beard back? Um, I don't know. It's, it's funny. People were split on the beard. Oh, really? It's not their business. I think women liked the beard, and, and, and men, it seemed to irritate them. Will Ferrell had enraged him. Right. He was like, get rid of that beard. He even shaved it. He was the one that shaved it off. Your face, your choice. You could do whatever you want. That's right. You know? Thank you. Yeah. Thank right. you. You could go no, half face beard, half face not. That's what or, do. No, you don't yeah. have. No. What? That's weird. No. That's no, stupid. This is trend setting. Uh, what I might do is grow crazy long uh, sideburns, <sighs> like real choppers. You should. Those look good. Uh, well, I did. I tried it once in the late 90s, and a uh, TV critic who liked me wrote a piece and said, wrote nice things about the show, but then said, Conan, uh, who lately has morphed into a riverboat gambler. <laughs> now, that's not altogether bad. <laughs> no. Maverick. <laughs> I was a card sharp. Um, but yeah, I'll do something. I, yeah. But I don't know. The beard, I, you know, I did it. It felt like that was then, this is now. I got you. But, uh, I think you just need to just slow down. What? I fixed you. <laughs> Thank you, Sona. Wow. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah. Can you fix me? Uh, just no, I do. Okay. I, You're good. I've always thought one of the reasons that you and I click, if, if this is actually us clicking. It is. But no, it is, is that you embody many of the things that I can't be and maybe I embody some things you, that you can't be and yeah. and so you do. Uh, to be very honest you have an ability to take things as they come and I've always been this you know sort of grinding I mean Kevin Nealon always talks about me back at SNL like grinding my fingers together <laughs> yeah I mean there's something about all that that's you know allowed you to 
do a lot of the things you did. But you know, you're good now. You did it. Yeah, so you made just, it over the finish line. Just uh, what? Well, not I'm the done. finish line, but yeah. you, you won the, You done. won your race. Right. You get. You're you're just, you just. You get done. to cruise. You're done. This yeah. is a shocking. Enjoy yeah. your retirement. Here's your watch. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is a horrible turn of events. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad. I'm very fortunate. For I had a good... he's a jolly good fellow. For he's a jolly good fellow. I bought an RV. <laughs> All right. Well, we got to get to it because my career's over. <laughs> I got to wrap this up. Uh, my guest today is the creator and star of Hulu's hit series, Rami. I'm very excited to chat with him today. Rami Youssef, welcome. I mean, the way we like came in and hugged you, and I was like, I'm such a fan. We haven't met, and then we meet with this hug. Is very I know. Exciting. You walked in the room. I went to shake your hand. You said, I've got hand sanitizer. So we ended up <laughs> hugging, and then I refused to let go of you. Well, yeah. And the hand sanitizer thing was just for the hug. Right. Yeah. I right. was like, let me have a wet hand so that we, we... And then I noticed you had sanitized your back, which was weird. <laughs> your back was all... Oh. It was it was wet and uh, smelled of alcohol. Yeah, but I wanted to be clean for you. <laughs> this is New York City. Like I don't, I can't just show up dirty. I love it. I love. Uh, I was really excited because we were planning this trip to New York, and I thought it'd be so great to get to talk to you because I love what you do. I'm a big fan of your work, and so. It was just a nice happening that you were able to do this, were able to come in. Yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah, it is. It was, it was, it's exciting for me. Um, and I never get excited. <laughs> it's just, I'm so medicated. <laughs> I'm in a lithium coma. Yeah, I wish people could feel what it's like being in the room with you. Because, yeah, I definitely feel that. Um, it's like a melatonin of sorts. Yeah. That's uh, why they put me on late night television, was <laughs> to get people to go to sleep. Just ready. <laughs> yeah. It's the only way America could No, sleep. and uh, you know the ratings always were solid because people fell asleep in front of the TV and couldn't change it. Right. So people were like, your consistency among viewers is incredible. It's like, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And then they looked into it and they were like, oh, they've all passed out yeah, in yeah. front of the TV. <laughs> First of all, thank you so much for doing this. I have so many questions. I'm just going to start with, I love your show. I really do. Uh, I love your show. And I love the combination of the humor is so sharp and and it's so well written. It's so beautifully cast. Oh, I mean, thank you. I mean, really, the the everybody is so solid on the show. I mean, they're, it's an incredible cast. It's really crazy. I mean, and then it's cool, too, because I think a lot of the roles are written for everyone who's there. And right. I think there's this thing with that I don't think people understand with TV is that you have very little time to rehearse. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the times you're meeting people at the table read or you meet right. people the day of or whatever it is. We have this really cool thing with our cast where so many of us have kind of known each other from different parts of life mm -hmm. for many years. And I think you could feel it on screen. I think that was something immediately when we shot even our pilot or the first season, there was this immediate chemistry and everyone was like, it's the writing is, and, and it is on a level, I think, but right. I also think there's just this, well, we know each other and there's this deep comfort. So we're, we so your, your friends on the show are people you've known for a while. The guys you hang out with in the diner. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean like Mo and, and, and Dave who plays Ahmed in the mm-hmm. diner, we've all lived together at different times. Uh, Steve, my buddy, you know, muscular district, I've known him since the third grade. So that even on a core level, then May who plays my sister, we knew each other for years. Laith, who plays my uncle, I knew him since I was 18. So there's this like deep history. And and I didn't even go to the network being like, these are my friends. They just won in the audition tapes. But I knew while I was writing, I was like, oh, this is this will feel really good with them. Okay, so an obvious first question, and it's something that when I watch the show I'm fascinated by is is that guy you completely, or is he a version of you? I mean, I think like, you know, we and, and I'm sure you relate to this, but I, I think a lot of the time without the idea of writing, without the idea of comedy, I was writing and making things since I was really young. And then I know the same thing for you. So it's like, I think a lot of this guy's like, man, if I didn't have that outlet starting at 14 or 15, yeah, there'd probably be this void because I don't think there was anything kind of in quote unquote real world or a real career that I could have ever imagined. <laughs> no, I'm not fit to do anything in the real world. And I'm so impressed and stunned when when someone is building something anywhere near me, oh. I'm amazed. <laughs> and every now and then I'll meet someone like a Nick Offerman who's funny and creative, but also, oh, I just made a canoe oh, dude. out of mahogany that I f- repurposed. And I don't understand because I, I have no function other than acting like a fool. That's the only thing I know how to do. No, it's really wild. Like I, um, I set up a Wi-Fi routing system in the house and oh. that was, that was, I was like, whoa, I'm really handy. Like that was the closest I could get to my I have dad. to say that sounds really impressive. Oh, dude, it's plugging certain things in in the right spot and you got to route it. And that was the most I'd ever felt like I'd use my hands as a man. Right. And then it kind of ends there. Yeah. <laughs> Just stop there. And I would think back to like history. I'd be like, what would I do in a different era? Oh, that's all I think about is, and I've always, often thought it's a field in Ireland, some really crappy, boggy part of Ireland and everyone is building a stone wall and I'm in the corner doing bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're all like, oh, that fucking, oh, Jesus, that just doesn't shut up. It doesn't fucking shut up. And you're so tall. And I'm not doing anything. I'm not, I'm not, or I'm doing a bit about like putting, you know, I'm doing a bit with the stones and, and well, look at me, I'm Stony Stonerson and I'm going to make a stone wall. And you're like, just fucking build the wall. We got to get this farm wall built. You fucking ass. A, je- a jester was a thing, though. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. Was a but I'd be, I'd have been murdered very quickly. I think I would have been beaten by the townspeople. You know what I mean? Well, I would, I would, I would think about this a lot, and then yeah, I, I would see murder for sure. I feel like I would maybe be like a food tester for the king, just to make sure that like, you know, like kind of that like, is there poison in this? Hey, Rami, come over here, take a bite of this. Here's what never made sense to me about food testers. Poison does take a little while. I never got that. Where someone's like, "Mm, you taste this pudding. Okay, I tasted it. I'm still alive. Very good. I'm going to eat great quantities of this pudding. (laughs) The guy dies four hours later, the king half an hour after that, right? That's how it should work. Maybe it's it's always been like a 15 minute, kind of like when they wait after the vaccine to make sure you didn't. Maybe 15 minutes has been like the universal. It's like now with Pfizer or whatever, but it's since then. It's like, we'll know in 15 minutes. Yeah. Nothing is. Everything is 15 minutes. Everything's 15 minutes. Nothing's that slow release. Wow. This is good to know. But yeah, so not much else I could have done. You know, I think I I was trying to go to college for a bit and I I left pretty quick. I wasn't able to do it, but it was because I had something that I really loved. Right. And so I think the character is without love. And I think in a way that 
that kind of hole that he has, you know, we kind of all try to fill that. Yeah. People can fill it with a passion, with a relationship, with God, with, with whatever it might be. And I think he's kind of struggling with, with what goes in that, in that kind of empty puzzle piece in him. The character is trying so hard to find his relationship to his religion and God. And is that you? Is, is that something yeah. that that's your struggle as well? In a, in a different way, probably. I mean, I think that like for him, you know, the answer feels incredibly elusive. I think for me in my life, I've found, you know, ways that I relate. I've found teachers I really gravitate towards. I've found, you know, the, the meditative nature of, of prayer. All those things have genuinely made my life better. But I think I like the idea of conceiving this character by someone that's caught in the industry of religion, caught in the cultural wars of religion, caught in all those things that make religion pretty shitty, which is kind of how it is right now. And so I think that yeah. there, there are totally, you know, glitches where people kind of get a good slice of it. I think I kind of wanted to show him really in the crosshairs of all the reasons why this doesn't work right now. You know, it, for me, watching your show, one of the things that I find myself drawn into and kind of attracted to is all the ritual that goes along with Muslim prayer. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I, I was raised Catholic, very Catholic, and I'm sort of drawn to this whole concept of everyone comes together at the mosque and and the the rugs and the praying and the you know the, the the ritual of it seems very calming and welcoming to me. Yeah, and I think that's because I grew up with you're going to get in this pew. It's really hard wood. <laughs> it's yeah. not comfortable. Uh, I mean, there's some things about it, like in, for example, in Catholicism, you can pray wherever you are. Yes. You can literally be in an elevator and just cross yourself and you're done. Yeah. So it's very user-friendly that way. Totally. I mean, we, I don't need a rug. Yeah. I don't need to be, know which direction is east or west. You know what I mean? There's well, nothing. They made it, they dumbed it down so much in Catholicism. Well, we have, you know, we have two different, we, we have that, that kind of like, you can, you know, direct line anytime. You, you can just put your hands out, like you put your hands out, uh -huh. just, uh, making this little kind of V shape and you can right. just ask God for anything that's anywhere. And then you, you also can pray anywhere. And you see that a lot in New York. There's just like a guy in the middle of the sidewalk walk praying and uh just in everybody's way but he'll do it it's funny like i i was kind of wanting to get a cab this was like a couple weeks ago and there was this taxi cab pulled over and and the light was off so it was available but then you know i looked in and and there was a couple they were like looking in they were like this guy's gone crazy and then i walked by and i look at him and he's like praying on the steering wheel mm -hmm. but i could tell like with what he was doing with his head like what point of the prayer he was in and i was like oh he's almost done like i'm about to get this cab <laughs> like they they went it was a long block long block and they just start walking towards houston i'm like these people are gonna be sweating and i'm like you guys don't even understand this is the last part of the prayer he's gonna yeah. be done in 10 yeah. seconds he finishes he looks at me i'm like yo and he hop right in you know, right right kind of, right so right. your knowledge your your deep understanding <laughs> oh, uh, of the of the prayer cycle uh, got you a cab. Saved me from going on the subway. It was, yeah, it was unbelievable. But yeah, the uh, the carpets are soft, so no hard wooden pews when you go in the mosque. And I think that the the ritual is the most beautiful part of it to me. I the think clean, the cleaning want. yourself too. I mean, I, I oh, was yeah. not aware. There's so much I've learned from watching your show. Um, and and this is one of the things I really love about it. I learn a lot. The show is not. It's so far from preachy. It's so far from, you know, um, trying to instruct. Yeah. It's it's about people. It's about people 
really funny people and a lot of awkward situations. And I know that you're uh, a Larry David fan and it, it, it evokes some of the, in, in a great comparisons to just awkward, great comedy situations and humanity. It's just, you know, uh, in the program, in the show, I love the fact that I watch it. And when I come away, I feel, I know not just your characters better, mm. but I feel like I have a better understanding of what it might be like to be Egyptian, Muslim, and come here to the United States, you know? Yeah, well, I think like part of the design for us was making it clear that we're kind of giving people a window into some of those rituals, into some of the rules, into some of what's going on. And then the second we introduce that, we're making it really clear that everyone here is doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes it funny, where it's like, I'm going to show you the thing, but then also it's so clear that this is not instructive because, man, these people are dealing with their egos on level 10 and they're making a mess wherever they go. And I think that's that to me is what makes it a fun thing to make because I never want to be in a situation where I need to feel like an educator or preachy or whatever because all that shit's just like it's anti-comedy but I do think what I've really enjoyed you know in terms of looking at the history of comedy is I think the idea of a character going to church Uh, in and of itself is a joke. Like it's a joke that someone would believe in the unseen. Mm -hmm. And I think here we've kind of flipped the joke where it's like, no, no, the unseen thing is a given. Like that relationship isn't what we're making fun of. We're kind of making fun of everything that happens under it. And I think that um, has opened up situations that I feel get to be unique to our show because we're, we're kind of, we have this different um, machine as to like what we're interrogating. And, and I think, yeah, a lot of people, People have been like, dude, your show is my favorite show about Catholic guilt, you know? Oh, <laughs> and then like, because it's all the same. It's all, it's guilt. We're all, I mean, what's so <laughs> funny to me is anyone who was raised in religion has these ideals that they're supposed to live up to. And then we all have the workarounds. Yeah. And, and that's the part that cracks me up is all the characters in your show doing workarounds for, yeah, I don't drink, but I'm going to drink or I'm not <laughs> supposed to really have sex, but I'm going to have a lot of sex. Um, but we're going to figure this out. We're going to work this out later. And I think that's every religion is <laughs> totally. people. You're, you're handed these lists of very severe rules early on and you can have every intention of being down with that. But then you have your, yeah, we're going to work around that. Oh, but yeah. still, I am a devout Muslim. Of course. But I, man, it's Ramadan, but I'm going to eat. Yeah. I'm going to, because that's a Big Mac. And <laughs> we'll figure this out later. You know well, what I mean? It's this feeling of like constantly like refinancing with God, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's really like. That's a great like, way to put it. Yes. Like, Let's yes, and 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 it's just by the by the, <laughs> by the by the end, you're just terribly in debt. You're just, I mean, I think we're all doing that. You know, we're all constantly saying, "Look, I'm gonna just, just put this on my tab. Yeah, just put this on my tab, God, and we'll figure this out." Because I just had a ninesome. Where I had sex with eight different people. I had a ninesome. And um, and then I had a cocaine enema, but we're going to figure this out because I love you, God. And trust me, I'm very devout. (laughs) We're going to figure this out is I mean, that's the energy, you know, for for, I think that's what keeps us all going. It's also um, I love what it's something that uh, fascinates me because I see it in Catholicism as well. The double standard with men and women, because mm. it's something that I saw growing up where, it, I mean, Rami 
you party, you go out with your friends and your parents think, oh, that Rami is just adorable. <laughs> and then your sister, um, who's on the, I think on the show, she's, you know, 25, 26 yeah. and just very attractive, modern woman. If she wants to do anything, it's where are you going? You have to be back by nine. And that exists, you know, when I was growing up, I know my mom, like my brothers and I would be chewing gum Yeah, and she wouldn't say a word. And then if one of my sisters started chewing gum, she'd be like, spit that gum out. Yeah. You know, you don't want people to think you're trash. <laughs> you know, you're not some common ragamuffin. I mean, that's how my mom spoke. And uh, Gum chewing is very ragamuffin behavior. It is. Yeah. And we won't have that. Just there'll, to be clear. There'll yeah. be no rag and muffery around here. <laughs> so... Just work that into Rami. Yeah, Let's yeah. One of the characters to start talking about. It. I'm no ragamuffin, and people say the writing is off this year. What happened? <laughs> and then you see the Conan O'Brien writing credit at the end. <laughs> special cultural consultant. Special cultural consultant. Please put me in as a special cultural consultant. Done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just in the in one of the prayers, there's many mentions of ragamuffin, tomfoolery, chicanery. People, are, I. I think they lost the thread this year. What happened? Did you watch to the end? Did I you? did. Did you see the Conan O'Brien cultural credit? I mean, that might be a problem. No, but what you're talking about is 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 amazing to me because I think that is something that in making the show, so many people will relate to that thing, even that that disparity between men and women, because obviously, and I think we see this more and more, especially lately, that's a real American problem as well. I yep. think the way that in the microcosm of a family, you know, how are the sons treated and how are the daughters treated? Mm -hmm. And it's something that I think we put on, um, you know, this Muslim family. And I think that obviously there's some comfort in in kind of this like, I think there's an American comfort in being able to say, oh, wow, like, look how that is in the Middle East, because there's kind of all these things of like, oh, women there can't drive, you know, and then you kind of start to break that down. And you're like, well, no, that's only just in Saudi. And then you're like, oh, wait, well, in Saudi, now women can drive and abortion seems to be just about as hard in both places. <laughs> you know. Right, and then you start right. to kind of zoom out and you're like, whoa, we have a lot of these problems. And I think that's part of why the show resonates, because it's at, at first you're like, oh, I'm learning about this other thing. But then you dig into it and you're like, oh, wait, this is in my family, too. You know, this is here, too. And and. And I think that starts to kind of open up uh, what I hope could be a bridge. Does your family watch the show and think, wait a minute, I never did that. You know, I didn't, I never stole a blender. I just made that up. That's not a plot point. But I know that, you know what I mean? I know that if I did a show called Conan and it was, I hired actors to play my parents and my, uh, all my brothers and sisters, I would be constantly getting calls like, what the, what the fuck was that? You know, you had me uh, steal a scrunchie. You know, you, you, you know what I mean? No, totally. I mean, we, we, I, I, there was this big period in my life where my parents weren't seeing any of the comedy I was doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I did stand up. Probably, I wouldn't. I wasn't putting anything online. I wasn't doing anything. I just mm -hmm. kind of did it silently for for you know almost ten years, just trying to get it you know where I wanted it to be. And and then, um, you know, when the show was coming out and my stand up was coming out, I kind of told my parents, I was like, look, this is really. I'm, I'm taking from everyone in the community, you know, and there's yeah. a writer's room. It's not just me, you know, and, and, and I think I worked hard to create enough likeness, but also enough distance between all the individual family members. So I think my parents were kind of like, okay, he's doing something different. And they're also really big fans of television. Like my parents watch everything, you know, they, they, they 
like would know specific bits of yours. Like they, they, my dad loves comedy. He'll, he'll watch late night. Mm -hmm. He watches everything on HBO. So he, he, I think at first maybe had a little bit of this, like, why are you doing this? And, and, and and we had a couple of those conversations and then very quickly, like the TV fan in him kind of clicked on and then, you know, you know, he'll watch the seasons and now we're at the third season and he's like, oh yeah, you really nailed the tone, you know? And I'm like, oh cool. I'm like talking about tone with my dad. That's like really cool. You know? So that's something. My father has never said to me, you really (laughs) nailed the tone. It's what, Dad, it's what every son hopes coming, to hear. I'm coming home, I'm in the East Coast. Just try to muster a you really nailed the tone. And then something about ragamuffins. Um, That's what every Hollywood son would love to hear from his father. You, know? you nailed the tone. Don't even get me started on the lighting. <laughs> you know, just really, that's where it gets emotional. So no, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there. California. (laughs) California, Sona. No matter where you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident. So, Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching. You can go hiking in Yosemite. And then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want. They got it in California. Hey, if you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. Today's episode is brought to you by Captain Crunch. This has meaning for me, okay? Because I grew up as a child obsessed. My brothers and I were obsessed with sugar cereals. We loved Cap'n Crunch. And then when they came out with Cap'n Crunch and Crunch Berries, oh. I just, it was like Oppenheimer. <laughs> I saw a white light and I knew that life had changed forever. And true story, I was just back in Boston visiting my brother, Neil. And not kidding, he is two years older than me. We are grown ass adults. What do we do? We sit down at our kitchen table in Brookline, Mass., and we both crack open a box of Captain Crunch with Crunch oh Berries. Oh my God. And we had it together, multiple bowls. And I was so happy. Oh, it's nice that you have that. It really is. Break away from the ordinary with Captain Crunch and bring back the spirit of adventure to your mornings. Everyday life can be stressful, but I've got to tell you, it's just such a sense memory for me. Not just original Captain Crunch, which is great. Then, oops, all berries yeah, they came up with. I remember that. Usually I don't eat foods that have oops in the title. <laughs> But when they came up with Oops All Berries, I was there. Peanut butter. Oh, my God. Peanut butter crunch is fantastic. It turns the milk into this cool peanut butter milk. I love it. Join the crew for your next breakfast time crunch venture. That's a word now. Buy Captain Crunch's new cinnamon crunch. Now at a retailer near you and learn more at captaincrunch.com. Neil, we made it! <laughs> Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT. Now ADT professionally installs Google Nest products so your home is safe 
and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security systems from virtually anywhere. Google Nest Cams can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. You can know that there's a package out there. I know. And not a person. You don't have to that do helps. anything. Yeah, sometimes a person rings the doorbell and I think it's a package. Anyway, <laughs> and with Nest Aware as part of your monthly ADT service, you can get 30 days of event video history, even smarter notifications, like when a familiar or unfamiliar face is seen. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just a tap. Mm. I'm always setting off alarms accidentally. This is helpful for me. Oh, good. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, well, you got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are trademarks of Google LLC. show went to the Middle East, and mm-hmm. I'm really fascinated by this. Tell me exactly where you shot. Yeah, so season one, we shot in Egypt, um, and then season three, we shot in Egypt, and we shot in Jerusalem. Right. Yeah, and so we took my character, you know, uh, from the first season, we've kind of seen him. He, 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 again, he doesn't really have a passion. He gets into his uncle's family business. Yes. And he's selling jewelry in the diamond district, right. which was based on a couple of my buddies that I grew up with, who were like the three Lebanese dudes in the district and everyone else is mainly Jewish. And, and I would walk in and just the banter would be hilarious. I mean, everyone's just going at everybody and it's the same guys. Everyone's going back and forth, like saying really, really crude shit. And then yeah, like and also and making deals and like the whole thing. What's crazy too is your uncle character is so anti-Semitic, yes. you know, and, uh, that's, you know, obviously, uh, to have an anti-Semitic character, but also at times, and this sounds insane, but uh, the stuff he's saying is absolutely crazy, but almost cartoonishly crazy. And you're just saying, nope, that's okay. No, that's not true. And he's just, but you also give him some dimension so that there are times where I almost feel for him. Do you know what I mean? Or where I think, okay, I see there's a human being in there, which I think is next to impossible to do. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, I I think, you know, we wanted to kind of show him in this position where we have the Rami character and so much of his thing is like, I'm looking at things in my family. I'm Mm -hmm. looking at things in my tradition. I'm looking at all these things and I'm figuring out which things do I want to move forward with? You know, what things do I want to be part of my life? So on one hand, there's the spiritual element of it where I think he's really grasping towards a lot of these great things that he wants. But then there's a couple of cultural things and family things that he's like, you know, this, you know, there's certain level of strictness that's wild. And then there is this like uncle who walks around with his anti-Semitism, right. and just watching Rami kind of bat that away and what that struggle is, is, is really exciting. And, 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 and because I think it's so real. And so I think when people see it, like, I think it's clear what the intention is as to why we're showing it uh, and how we're showing it. And it exists in every family. I mean, there's actually this really great um, show that follows a Jewish family called Shtisl. And they have an uncle. I love that who, show. Oh, it's so good. And yeah. they have the uncle who hates Muslims. Yeah. You know? So it's like, it, it, it's so funny because it's like you, 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 you see, oh, yeah, that's. And that's another thing that I've heard from, from you know, uh, my Jewish friends who watch the show. They're like, dude, I have that uncle. He just says it's like it becomes algebraic. 
you know, he just says insert whatever thing. And then right. you gotta, you're trying to fight that off from that generation. Well, the cross currents of kinds of racism, when you see in cultures, if you'll, sometimes you'll, I'll be talking to someone who's from Mexico and they'll, I'll be like, oh, look at that guy's from Nicaragua and those people. And you're like, what are, what are we doing? Oh, you're not even, I know. You know what I mean? You're, and then the Nick, the person in Nicaragua was like, just, you know, keep that Bolivian away from me. Those people, I don't know how you do it. And you, you know, and you realize that this is happening in China. They're, oh, yeah. They've broken it down 75 different ways. And oh, that province, well, you know. Can't marry into that family, and you realize that these this is something uh, in our genes. I it's everywhere, know. and yeah. I, and I've always felt like it's a little bit unfairly attributed to being like only white people, you know, because right. I think white people are just the best at racism. Like I think they like you know institutionalized it in many ways, but it's just right. racism. We turned it into like McDonald's. <laughs> We took people like, you know, people are like a hamburger and then white people said, no, no, there's a way to do this much more efficiently and on a massive scale. Just and branded it. Yeah, you know? exactly. But it's, but it's not just, we, there's a lot of organic homegrown racism right. in, in all of our communities uh, that, that, you know, just isn't branded in the same way. But it, it really, even something like Islamophobia, you know, we, I, I've always felt like, yeah, there's this idea that people who aren't Muslim hate Muslims, but I've never seen anyone hate a Muslim more than another Muslim because they're not the type of Muslim that they think they should be. Like there's like Islamophobia, then there's like Muslim Islamophobia where it's literally like just put Indians and Pakistanis in a room and it's just like, man, can we find what we have in common? Why are we so against each other? Right. And I think that's a lot of what we have in the show too is just some of those elements of, again, like looking at something that is a human virus and I don't want to be in the position where, okay, I'm making this show and I need to show everyone uh, Arab and Muslims are really lovable and, you know, don't hate us because then it just feels so sanitary and it feels so unreal and it feels, you just kind of don't believe it. So we have a character like my uncle who exists for that reason, just to say, we're putting it all out on the table. Yeah. That's, I think the thing is you're getting really near these third rails and kind of touching them a little bit, which I think is important to do. I feel like that that's a good way to put it. That third rail or that button, you're not supposed to touch all those things to me feel like the best thing that we could contribute as comedians mm -hmm. like to do that as thoughtfully as possible and to do it in a way where hopefully we're not just like spreading the issue uh, or, or or I would say adding to the problem but yeah that that feels like the most useful thing I could do because I don't think any of us are um you know that well read or um <laughs> you know <laughs> fit to like lead the country in any right. sort of direction but i do think if we can kind of get into emotional complexities and 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 play with them a bit that that starts to feel really fun and and you know we're also just trying to be funny so i think that that helps yeah that's the important thing i think is it's got to be comedy first yes comedy first and um dedication to telling it truthfully and well I think sometimes people go into comedy with a message or a purpose or a cause and you just have to make sure the comedy's got to be there. Yeah. You know, uh, and if the cause and the message starts to take over the narrative, you're, you know, what do you really, what do you have? Yeah. I mean, I think even ethnicity or, or culture, any of those things, you know, and the cause the, that to me is icing. Like I really do feel like the main base of it should be the engine of what makes it funny. You know, the engine of someone's struggle, you know, I do love Larry David because it's so clear what's making everything funny about him is his anger. You know, it's just really funny. Yeah. And, and, and for me, I was, 
in, in everything that I explored on stage, I was like, Oh, the thing that I find the most fun to talk about. And that makes anything funny is just like my massive indecisiveness. It is my, you know, belief in my higher self and my continually living in my lower self. And it creates this fucking tension that, you know, at times it's really sad, but at times it's really funny. And then, and the more that I kind of turn that into something, the more that it's like, oh yeah, someone finds an entry point into that. Like I find the entry point into, you know, the anger that, that, that I see in, in people, but they, they turn it into something where it, it makes those feelings, you know, more digestible, I guess. Right. What, what was your experience? So you're, where'd you go? Did you go to the West Bank? Yeah. So we were, we were in, um, our plan was really to shoot between Haifa, Tel Aviv and the West Bank. Mm -hmm. When we were there, we weren't able to actually shoot in the West Bank. There was this, um, really kind of just horrible thing that happened. Um, Mm -hmm. this, this journalist, Shereen Abouakla was killed, you know, and And that happened while you were there or just before you went there on our locations on your, Oh Jesus. Oh yeah. So it was kind of this thing too, where, (laughs) you know, my mom was like, why are you going to shoot there? Can't you just shoot it somewhere else? And I'm like, no, we have to go there. Like we want, I want to work with the crews there or whatever, and it'll be safe. Don't worry. Don't, don't believe the And then she said, Vancouver, Yeah, <laughs> shoot Vancouver for Tel Aviv. That's, that's how much my like, parents. I didn't realize there were that many fir trees <laughs> in Israel. That's incredible. My parents know that much about the industry. They're pitching Vancouver. No, it would really be great. They're like, no, no, the rates in Vancouver are great. You, I was like, you got to, my dad's like, you got to lead with the tax incentive. All right. Go to Vancouver, go to Toronto, be smart, save the production. This reminds money. me of, I was watching, um, <laughs> I went and saw a Top Gun with my son. And at the end they have that big, you know, they go, we go together with like, we go to war with a fictional country. And you, it's kind of not clear where it is, but there's yeah. just a lot of fir trees and a lot of snow and it looks really beautiful. And um, like the lights came up afterwards and I said, why did we go to war with New Hampshire? Yeah. It was, <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> but I could see, uh, it's a really funny to me is, uh, that's a funny idea. Someone who's like, you know, we could go, we probably should go to Tel Aviv. I don't know. We got such a good rate in Vancouver. Don't and think New Mexico. Who's, who's going to really know? Who's going to really know? Don't think New Mexico wasn't thrown out on a call. <laughs> really? Conan, you know enough to know New Mexico New was Mexico thrown, was out, was on thrown a call. out. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That was thrown out on a call. By the way, no one talks about how woke the new Top Gun is. They really don't mention another country. It's kind of nice. You don't, well, know, you don't know who it is. You'd like you know? to say it's woke. <laughs> You could also say that they wanted to make sure that it did well in every market internationally, which is, I suspect, what was really going on there. You know? I call that financially woke. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. That's, that's beautiful. Hey, man. let's start that movement, the financially woke movement. Just like, no, no, woke, that's very financially. That was very offensive. Well, but financially, very woke. Financially very woke. Yeah. I, I, I did. I did walk out of that going, wow, they, I didn't hear Arabic. I didn't know what country was. Well, it was pretty impressive. Look at that. They, they did it. Look, way to go, Tom. I was excited. I was in there. I was like, whoa. It was so generic as a country. And I thought, God, this place looks beautiful. I don't know where they are, but... Is this Turks and Caicos? Like, yeah, exactly. I also love that in the movie, um, they had far superior fighter planes than the United States. And I'm like, which country is this? It's a country I've never heard of that looks suspiciously like Maine. And they have fighter jets that are like three generations ahead of ours. Wait a minute. 
Don't we have the most expensive military in the world? Who laid down on the job and let Switzerland get all these amazing planes? So that kind of blew my mind. Yeah, no, it's uh, and that's why I brought you in here. By the way, is yes, I wanted to sort of rope a dope you with. We'll talk about Rami, and we'll talk about you know your religion and the struggle. But I really want to talk about Top Gun, yeah, and I, how I I'm, I wanted to know about that country. Yeah, I think we walked out of that movie as Americans with a lot of questions for our government. Yeah, you know where where, where are these planes? Why don't we have them? The other thing that I love, and I'm going to keep going talking about Top Gun, Please. is that Tom Cruise is the best pilot ever. You know, Maverick has dedicated his whole life to. Um, serving his country. He's absolutely amazing. Everyone says, hands down, he's the best. And his superior officer, like, get in here, you shithead. Yeah. <laughs> what was that stunt you pulled where you did that really amazing thing and saved everybody's life? Well, sir, I shut up. Shut the fuck up. And I ran, um, <laughs> I ran into John Hamm somewhere, yeah. who's obviously, he's a as everyone knows, he's, uh, in addition to being great, actually, he's a very funny guy. But yeah. I was like, what was your problem with Tom Cruise? <laughs> he, all he's done is, and he's like, I know, I know. <laughs> and all you do is, and then it's like, did you see what Tom Cruise just did? Do you see what Maverick just did? He just saved America. And that person was lost and he rescued him. And then he put a plane together out of Legos and got everybody out of there. Yeah, get him in here. You piece of shit. Well, because I think you're, you're forgetting the beginning of the movie. He blows up an expensive plane, right? Which goes against the movie's principles of financial wokeness. <laughs> so I think that's, that is, you know, the biggest issue. Okay. With the film. You know, All like, right. I mean, All if right. you're kind of tracking the, the yeah. line of what they care about, <laughs> the guy's fucking up. I mean, because it's not about the country. I mean, it's it's about the budget. You're right. You're right. And, and so I he's, see it now. He's a budgetary he did issue. blow up that plane. Yeah, get yeah. in here, you little shit. You're ruining our budget. If you save more lives one more time. <laughs> it's just that old trope that's in every buddy cop movie where you have to get chewed out, even though you've clearly done an amazing job. Oh, you're handsome. You're skilled. Somehow you're the underdog. Yeah. I don't know how. <laughs> Literally just gorgeous. Like, yeah. like just better skin than my sister. I know. And I don't know how. I root for that guy because I think we are about the same age and I'm just... <laughs> When I'm just, you know, he like takes his shirt off in that movie and I somehow felt that I had gotten in shape. Yeah. And I just was like, see, I am a movie star. And my wife was like, what are you talking about? Well, we're the same age. Right. But he's got all these genetic gifts that you do not have. And he works out like crazy and you do not. And I was like, me, 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 No, I think you should write like a thing piece. You know, it's just like Tom Cruise got jacked for my whole generation. He did. I think he did it for all of you. Yeah. And Thank he's you. beautiful. I think you're shocked when you saw me in person and how old I look. Uh, no, I think you look great. And I thought you were very <laughs> tall. That's really what struck me. Because when we were hugging, it was this long hug and I was just firmly mid in the middle of your chest. I, 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 I held you. Amazing. I yeah, held yeah. you for a while. It was, I cradled you. <laughs> it was a really nice cradle. <laughs> yeah. Your feet did not touch the ground. I lifted you. I held you for a while. I put you in a baby Bjorn. Remember that? And we walked around. Around the, the serious XM office. <laughs> and everyone was like, wow, this, we don't know what this is. But it we feels, don't know what it is, but it, it feels, feels progressive. It feels very progressive. Yeah, it feels like the future. <laughs> I felt that. I was like, wow, maybe, maybe things can change. Well, I'm really looking forward to the season where you uh, again visit the Middle East, but shoot it. Like in a place that can't, po it, Canada, you know, someplace <laughs> Northern Canada. 
and you have to keep coming up with, you keep having to write in justifications for why there's a big bear yeah. and the, the, the ground is littered with pine cones. I mean, just, all the streamers are, you know, everyone's just figuring out like what's going on with money. Just if, if you know, our fourth season is so clearly going to be Toronto. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> like we're just, it's just, we're going to just be in downtown Toronto uh-huh. and, and, and just making it work. Right. You know, that, right. That's what it's going to be. Right. But the fact that we got to go, it, look, it was, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was, we were there for that massive event. It shifted a lot of our shooting. I think there was a few American crew and then we had our Palestinian crew and we were in the middle of Jerusalem, you know, and, and we went to a funeral and this, this journalist who got killed, um, is Christian. And so, so it's, so it's like, we're at a church in Jerusalem with this really just diverse group of people. And, you know, cause there's Americans there, American Jewish uh, crew and, and American Muslims and, and Palestinian Christians and, and, um, you know, Christians in Israel. And, and it's like, I, I think everyone kind of walked away, especially when you go there if, and, and, and you've, you've I been, did. yeah. Yeah. You, we you shot, a, 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 we shot a show there and, uh, it was fascinating because we shot first in Tel Aviv. Yeah. And then we went to Jerusalem and what I remember very clearly is we had our team that was Israeli and then we went over to shoot in Jerusalem that the teams had to shift over. Mm -hmm. So it's different security because they need to be Palestinian. And Mm -hmm. so you understood that it's crazy because all you've ever heard is this amazing, horrible conflict that no one can seem to figure out. And then this was just, okay, we're going to stop here. And then these guys are going to take over. Hey guys. Yep. Okay. Thank you very much. And they had it all worked out, yeah. which, uh, it just made me feel like maybe the, the answer is on a showbiz level, people figure things out. They do. And, and, and maybe that's the answer in the middle East is we, how do we turn this into show business? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then everyone's going to be like, okay, wait a minute. All right. I can see, I see how we can do this. I see how we can figure well, this out. Well, it's so funny that you say that because there, we had these, these kids, um, who came from this area called Janine, which is one of the most dangerous mm-hmm. areas in the West bank. There, there's, there's a lot of unjust violence Mm -hmm. happening and these kids have this thing called freedom theater in the middle of all of it and they're working on becoming actors they don't it's like and it's unbelievable they sent in these audition tapes and these kids are like i'm gonna be a big actor and it's like wow and we saw these two kids we fell in love with they got to be in the show and we were gonna go and shoot by them then this happens and we can't and so we had to ask the government for a visa to get them in to jerusalem and everyone's like this is impossible it's not gonna happen and somehow it did. So, I mean, to your theory that somehow show business makes things work, I'm like, these kids had never gotten a visa their whole life to come over. And then this kid came and he went to the sea for the first time. Like he went to the water for the first time in his life. Oh, wow. To shoot our thing. And so we, 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 he, he was like, this is the best week of my life shooting this TV show. And there was this really interesting thing that did happen where you're there and you're just seeing all the pieces work, even though this horrific thing happened while we were there, everyone kept cool. Everyone was like, okay, we're going to just figure this out. Somehow the visa still cleared. Like all these things that you would think wouldn't be able to happen, happen. And I agree with you when you're there on the ground, you're seeing people speaking, you know, like one of our guys is this driver, Palestinian dude. He speaks English, Arabic, Hebrew, and right. a bunch of these, everyone. So he's like, he knows Hebrew and he's walking around, he's speaking to a, to a, um, a Israeli soldier in Hebrew. And then they're, they're going somewhere else. And then he's speaking Arabic and, and you just see this, 
desire to keep making things work and somehow pep in the step and somehow just like, we're going to get through this. We're going to figure it out. Right. And, and I don't know if you felt this, but I walked away and I was just, I was inspired, you know? I've done all these travel shows and um, gone to these different countries and ended up with this philosophy that I think there's a tendency for people to want to make things simple. Mm. And there's a lot of uh, pundits that like to say, it's easy, you know, uh, whether it's in America, they like to say it's an easy choice. And I like, and I like to point out that things are very complicated. Mm. Things are extremely complicated. And so that's been a little bit of bone of contention of mine is when you go and you see that it, there's, there is no simple truth that explains it's very, it's so complex that uh, when people act like, no, 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 this is easy on one side or the other, I think I get offended by that. Mm, yeah. Cause it feels to kind of just like underwrite a bunch of real complicated human experiences. Right. Well, I've, I've you know, my, uh, my therapist will say a lot of times um, things are simple, but that doesn't mean they're easy. Right. He's like, sometimes the hardest things are the simple things. Right. You know, and that's where a lot of the complications come in, in that vacuum of like, well, it should be you know, we, why can't, like, it is a very hard thing to achieve simplicity even at home, right. <laughs> you know, with your family to be able to do the simple thing. And, and so I think that the thing that gives me hope when I'm there is seeing certain microcosms of how people deal with each other that can be inspiring. But, you know, in, and, and, and I think my hope comes from like, okay, what if we were able to get enough microcosms, right. Mm-hmm. That the macrocosm would solve itself. And right. I, and I actually think that probably is like in, in many ways a pattern that would work, but it's really hard to nail a microcosm. It's really hard to nail just what's going on in your own house. Well, that's, I think, again, going back to your show, that it's all about this is a family. And years and years and years ago, when I worked on The Simpsons, I remember thinking um, my job here is just to think of the funniest jokes I can and the funniest situations I can. And then sort of hearing uh, the the people that, that ran the show said, you know, you have to remember, first and foremost, they're a family. And I thought, what? What is this drivel? I'm going to write the craziest Mr. Burns jokes you've ever seen. I don't care about that. But they were right. It's first and foremost a family, which is what makes it work. And I think Mm. that's the same thing with, uh, I think the reason that your show has an impact when you watch it is because I relate to this family because Mm. it's really not that different from any other family. Yeah. You know, in, in, there are specific things that of course, very different, but that's why I'm there. That's why I'm invested is because like the episode you made about your mom and her struggles and she becomes a Lyft driver and just, I felt terrible for her. I felt like no one's seeing her. No one's, no one's taking care of her. You know, you blow her off uh, for dinner. You're out the door and she's made this great dinner and um, you suck, by the way. Yeah, yeah. You're a bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did you do that? I got mad at you when you did that. I'm like, can't you see? Yeah, yeah, I know. Your mother made that nice meal and then you're like, mom, I got to go. I got to meet my friends. And she just, (laughs) the door shuts and she's there with a lot of food and she's alone. I mean, I to me, fuck you, Rami. I know. I mean, <laughs> Sorry, but come so, on. So many people, you know, will say that to me. Like, man, I fucking hate your character. But I think the most heartbreaking <laughs> line in that scene to me was, and the way she delivered it, she really made it even better than than it had been written. But she was like, you know, I think my Facebook's not working. Like, I haven't gotten any likes. Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh man, that's hard. Like, like that's always the hardest. How do you thing explain to someone? Yeah, it's like no, you, it's just you just didn't get any likes. You just didn't get any likes. <laughs> 
so like, and I think there's so much in that episode where like, and in those dynamics where it's like, man, we, we feel, everyone feels this thing for their mothers on a level, even when the relationships are complicated, where whether you feel it a lot or you see it in a glimpse or you have a window of looking at your mother and being like, man, she gave up a lot. Yeah. She gave up a lot. And, 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 and especially in a time where we crave our individuality and we crave our, our self-expression in, in this era, you know, and then you're looking at that, you know, a mother and you go, wow, she, she put it all to the side for us. And Mm -hmm. I think, again, that creates a little bit of the the show. So much of it is about, about, Obviously, it's not just even just spiritual guilt. It's even that kind of guilt, you know, that guilt that you can have right. know, in, in, in just what was sacrificed for you. And and I think in the design of, of also, yeah, making this character, I mean, and you know this because you, um, you know, you, you walk and it's different in a way because I made a fictional thing. But like, I think the level of self-deprecation that's in your humor and the way that things roll off of you is I just have always felt like. You're, you you present in, in a way where it's not this like look at me look at me like right. kind of thing and right. and I think it's 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 why you're one of the greats and then when I was hugging you earlier when well when you were kind of like it was a bit of like a, a stronghold you had me in I wouldn't let go chest. I wouldn't let yeah go. you wouldn't let go and I felt it in that too where I was like yeah this guy is like a real fucking dude I love this and 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 I think in making the show for me I, I didn't want to make this character where I was like oh Rami the hero look at him he's just struggling I and and I think sometimes I've got a little bit of the criticism that I go too far but mm-hmm. I really I like leaning into those um more you know lower self parts of me on screen. And I like leaning more into the, like, I don't want you to think, Oh, this is a hero I'm rooting for him. I, I'd rather, you know, put my character in a position where, yeah, he, he's really, he's dealing with his ego and, and, and it feels uh, a lot easier for me to live with. Like, I just don't even think I'd have fun making the show if it was just like, Oh man, he tried his best, but he's such a sweetheart. And right. You know, like it would just, something about that rings false to what I like about comedy. Yeah. Like, I'm like yo, comedy's yeah. where I get to be a little shit. Like I, 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 I this is the oh, part of me that like, I have fun being a little fucking shit. Yeah. And it's also, uh, it, I think the life-saving thing for me in comedy has been, I was raised to be, um, you know, very, I'm supposed to be, you know, polite. There's all these rules that yeah. you're supposed to follow. And I, I think I was a, a good rule follower. And then I found this world where <clears throat> you can act in the most insane manner and it's part of your job. And everyone's like, good job. I'm like, what are you talking about? I just, I, I screamed at Jordan Schlansky, you know, this guy that works for us, uh, and uh, or I threw him through a window. And they're like, I know it was fantastic. It was, so it was great, funny. great job. I know, I know. And <laughs> well, part of that, I think, is how you were raised because it's like just on a real base, base level, it's so clear that you're such a good boy. You know, like it's I so think so. clear. Yeah. It's so clear. It's yeah. just why you do that stuff. And then it's like, oh, I get the spirit that it's in. Right. You know? And there is comedy I watch where I'm like, oh, this is just mean and I don't like it. And I'm just like, Oh, I don't care about this. Like I'm not interested in this. This is, I think this person is mean. I think this person is just taking the shit on everybody. And then there's just something with, with the things I like where it is, it's like you were raised to be, and and I think it's so clear that you are, and that's why you're able to do all that stuff. And it's so funny. Well, I hope so. (laughs) Until someone says, no, wait a minute. I think he is an asshole. Uh, so are you done now? You, you've completed the third season. Yeah. Third season is, is out. Yep. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny. It's like, there's so many things out. It's so crazy. I mean, and, and, and we put it out, uh, last month and then 
I think people are just kind of finding it. Like, as I've said, well, like, like people come to me like, Hey, did, did it come out yet? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it came out last month. I'm like, yeah. No, but it's, it's, it's like but it's, teeth. it is, uh, I mean, I ended my late night show. So it's been almost like a year and a half since I ended my, like whatever, almost 30 years in late night. And all the time people come up to me on the street and go like, man, I love your show. It's, well, you're killing it. And I'll be like, you know, I don't do it anymore. <laughs> I, I do a lot of other things, but I, I don't do that. And they, they, I mean, I swear to God, I've had people say to me like, man, every night I'm watching it and yeah. I'm just loving it. And I think it's just hard for there. There's no awareness I know. of, and, and I, it actually, it's very humbling, but there's so much content yes. out there. Um, and I think uh, what's happened is it's very hard for, I, I I have a philosophy that good work is never wasted. Yes. And I believe that if you make something good, it's the field of dreams idea. If you build it, they, they come. Yes. And by keeping your head down and doing your good work, um, we live in this world now, the flip side of there's so much out there is that things don't go away. No. It's always going to be there. And there are shows I watch- um, that I think have probably been off the air for like 15 years that I didn't find yeah. when they were first on uh, and or you know, Borgen about, you know, what's the government in Denmark. Mm. And I'm like, I'm watching this show and I really like it. And I'm mm. like, this is great. This new show is fantastic. Yeah. People say that show's from 2009, asshole. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. No, no I mean, me. someone's starting Breaking Bad this morning. Yeah. You know, like yeah, someone exactly. is watching it for the first time. Right. They're home and they're like, man, I can't keep hearing about this thing. So I agree. Like it's, 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 it is. Right. And I think in this career too, and you're such a great example of it. I think it's just like, it's a lifelong thing and it's, and it's, you just keep doing it and you just keep, you know, cause you keep growing from it and hopefully you keep getting better at it. Yeah. And that's and, the, that's, yeah. that's the inspiring part is could I get better at this? Could I do it differently? It's a different world now with different technology. That's been a huge thrill of this podcast is this was a total lark. And yeah. I love these conversations more than the conversations I had, you know, for almost 30 years on late night. I love those. They're very different and they're performative, but these mean a lot more to me in some way because it's a yeah. real connection. If you, If we're talking on a late night show, I will not get this no. sense of oh you. Oh my God. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I, it, I, I would have be... loved to do the couch on your show, but it, it, that never happened as it was ending. And I was kind of just getting into a position to be able to do that stuff. But mm -hmm. this is so much more like to get to sit and hang for an hour. And you can really smell me right now. Like you smell what oh, I smell like. Yeah. And that never happened. We had all kinds of fans and <laughs> deodorizers on the late night show, but now you're smelling my musk. I would say that's the biggest difference, you know, seeing you is you realize, yeah, your show is so, it's such a deodorized version of you, <laughs> like, like on TV. And I, and I think- Sandalwood. Yeah. It was, that's what the, all those years I was on NBC or TBS, it was a sandalwood, yeah. hints of, uh, of cinnamon. And then this is just me. This is who I am and what I smell like. And so uh, you're going to have to deal with it. I think it's beautiful. I think it's raw. You know, I think, I think it's, uh, it's, it's special, you know? Well, my only request, I'm going to wrap this up is first of all, so cool getting to talk to you. <laughs> and, no, seriously. Uh, you're a, a lovely fellow. You're so talented and, uh, I really do like your work. So my hat's off to you and I'm not wearing a hat. Um, 
why did I do that? It's no one even knows what I'm wearing. So you could have been wearing a hat. I'm wearing a Willy Wonka top hat <laughs> and I'm tipping it to you right now. And that takes a lot of finger strength. It does. It's, it's a big a, hat. It's a 35 pound hat. Uh, <laughs> it's made of <laughs> copper and iron. Um, very cool having you here and I want you to keep doing your thing, Thanks, you know, man. and, uh, we're going to hang. I know we're going to hang. I love that. And my only request is that you figure out an organic way to work me into the show. Of course. A very tall Irish Catholic guy, but I have to play Conan O'Brien. Oh, okay. It's not an acting part. You have to be. It's got to be yeah. one of those jump the shark episodes. Okay. Where Rami bumps into <laughs> Conan O'Brien and brings him to the mosque. And I keep looking into camera and saying like, well, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be an interesting turn of events. You know what I'm saying? You know, okay. and, uh, okay. you know, uh, okay. yeah. Last time I saw a rug that big, I was at a wig store I'm, and I'm looking right into the camera. I mean, I'm going to get a real tone lecture from my father, but I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it. You'll be like, why? I'll do it. Your thing was going so well. We raised you for tonal consistency. <laughs> and then you pulled this Conan shit. I'm, like, I'm sorry, dad. It's the episode where Rami jumps the shark completely. <laughs> Look who I found. I bring him to the diner. It's Conan O'Brien. Hi, guys. Looks right into camera. And hello out there, audience. <laughs> Fuck, why did he do that? He broke the fourth wall. He didn't seem to understand much about the religion or the culture. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll just end at season three. <laughs> With the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. Sounds pretty good, huh? Doesn't it, Sona? I, I like that. Yeah, you like it. This means you can earn on what you want, like... Trying out the new workout class mm. and two uh, percent cash rewards and what you need like a foam roller for your sore muscles. You're always asking about a foam roller. Yeah, I love to work out and use a foam roller. And That's the beauty. Foam it up. That's foam it up. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited two percent cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. I don't know where they come up with these things. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. Better work presentations are possible. They're called Canva presentations. You can supercharge your work decks with Canva presentations. Sounds like I know what I'm talking about. Just yeah. start with a prompt and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides in seconds or with a stunning template and add images, graphics, charts, and data visualizations from their massive media library. You save time and you wow your audience. Mm -hmm. I have never made one of these presentations and I never will, but there's a reason why Canva <laughs> is used by 90% of the Fortune 500 companies. 90%. That's a lot of percent. Yeah, let's get it to 100%, guys. Come on. Nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations by heading to canva.com. Designed for work. in history. Let's just get into it. Don't guys. know much about history. Okay, this is very interesting. This is a headline from a news article. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. The bacteria Conan, super resistant to radiation, could survive a million years on Mars. It's nicknamed Conan. It's named Conan. Why? Oh, yeah, why do they name Well, I guess it's actually Conan. Conan the bacteria, but I thought that that might be relevant. Oh. Well, 
I mean, I'm very resilient um, in my career. Yeah. Many times there've been attempts to destroy me and I come back um, like a persistent bacteria. So I see it, I see it. Yeah. I'm proud to be linked to a rare bacteria that can exist in the harshest, harshest climates. You are? I, I wouldn't want, there's a lot of things to be named after me. I wouldn't want bacteria to be one of them. What would you like to be named after you? A uh, building. Oh, <laughs> why not? Why don't we name this building the Sonum of Cessian Hall? I don't, th I don't think we can. Because I really think of this as Erica Brown's. Oh yeah, that, oh. that's more relevant. E Erica takes care of this place and runs it, and she's you know uh, this is Erica's house. I agree. So um, I say, can I have a wing? No, mm. and it's just wing. It's not winga. There's no hard G. Why do you always do that? You waste everybody's time every single time you have. Can to I have a wing? Yeah, if there's a G at the end of the word. I don't yeah, know why. Wing. Why do you think you're right? Wing. You're not right. Maybe I am, I'm well, right. Well, I think Matt will don't, tell you. Come on, don't, don't bring Matt, Matt into Matt, this. Matt, be honest. It's yeah, wing. Yeah, let's bring it's the other guy wing who's just like me. No offense, but you guys are like, yeah, we're, yeah we're, my family's been here forever, so we know English better oh, than your people excuse me, do. I was going to defend you, and then you threw me under the white man's bus. <laughs> yeah, that's wrong. Well, first of all, Gorley, you've been in the country the longest. Personally? <laughs> well, no. I mean, your family. My family. Yeah. I think your people, they, they, uh, you look like guys that were working on a podcast on the Mayflower. That's right. Came over. That's absolutely right. And um, that's 100%. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, we left the great podcast famine of Ireland and then had to come over. <laughs> people were eating microphones and they're like, we got to get out of here. Um what I'm, year did your family come over? Well, I want to say it was a late 1860s, 1870s. And, um, but, but as we've said many times, my people made the dreadful mistake of um, not diversifying the line. Right. Uh, and so... Um, like royalty. Like royalty. I am much like royalty in that I am horribly inbred. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Irish trash. Anywho, <laughs> um, my children have been saved because my lovely wife uh, embodies many different genetic strains. And so my children uh, have surpassed me. They have powers that I could only dream of. They're only half inbred. That's a nice way to say Did yeah. you say that about my children? Yes, what you said? I did. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I'm thinking about it and it's just true. Yeah. It is. Oh, it's just true. Okay. Yeah. I was going to get mad and then I was like, oh, it's just yeah. true. Yeah. But yeah, so to know, this is not in me giving you a hard time because you, you know, came to this country as a child. That's not. I didn't. I born here. We've been through this. No, I was born here. You can't convince me that I was not born in this country just because you say it often because I was born here. Born where exactly? Montebello, Montebello California. is not in the it's United Beverly States. Yes, it is. Been over this. Uh, no, in it is. Montebello. I grew up in two cities away from Montebello. Yeah. 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 Just because you don't, you like. I think it's an, Montebello is an island in international water. No. Oh my God. No. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, the point is. Anyway, listen, just name a wing after me. I, winga. I don't oh. care. Maybe get a winga at the Montebello Town Center. Oh, yeah. I'll take it. Yes. Yeah. And you should, is there anything honoring you in, in Montebello? No. You should be. You're a celebrity. You're a legitimate celebrity. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not. 
But well, you are. You have a you have a, a book that was a New York Times bestseller, right? Um, that's out right now, and uh, you. I bring up your name in front of any crowd. You get big cheers. That's nice. You are known. You are a known person. And uh, who else? Who are you competing with? What other celebrities are there in Montebello? You that's know what? True. I don't know. Eduardo Eduardo's from Montebello I'm too. I'm also from Montebello. Yeah. Do yeah, you know anybody from who's famous? The great Sona Massessian. No. Right. So no, but don't you oh, yeah. think yeah. Sona? I mean, I'm going to just put this out there. Yeah. I do think Sona should have some kind of recognition by Montebello. I agree. I don't know if it's a park bench. Um, <laughs> I want. I can get I'll, bigger. You know what? Than I'll a park. take. I'll take a park. I bench. think you should yeah. be Grand Marshal in the Montebello Christmas Parade. Yes. Is there Why a not? Christmas parade? I don't know. There should be. <laughs> we'll make a parade, and I'll be the Grand Marshal. Yeah. I don't know. I think that people always want me to do things because they think you'll do them with me. Mm. Yeah, but that's called the old bait and switch. Yeah, I know. But, what? Uh oh. So I just pulled up on Google Montebello celebrities, and on the short list of like eight people, Sona's name is. <laughs> Number is it, and ab- above or below who else? It's uh, three after Sirhan Sirhan. <laughs> oh man! Robert Kennedy's assassin. <laughs> oh. So you should feel pretty good. Yeah. She's, a, she's number seven. And who else is on there? Anyone we'd know? Uh, Gina Rodriguez. Oh she's yeah. An actress. Yep. Actor. Yeah. Uh, the rest I don't know that I know. Just say some names. Kim Langford. Nope. Chelsea Rendon. Nope. Actress. Michelle Bauer. You're bigger than all these people. What? Just Michael cause... Trevino. Also an actor. That sounds familiar. And yeah. Deborah Foreman. No, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I bet if I looked up Brookline, Massachusetts, notable people from Brookline, Massachusetts, don't say Eduardo, but it would probably not include me because it's because uh, I there's so many famous people. John F. Kennedy. John F. Kennedy. You yeah. guys both had presidents from your cities. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. very cool. And I'm, you know what I mean. And so would say things like John F. Kennedy, number one, number two, Wilson. Fetterman, number three, <laughs> Alicia Cornwallis, number four. No. Can we see what number you you're, are on the you're list? Number Can two you for Google sure. Famous Brookline. I googled it. Conan's number two. I knew. Oh! It. I knew it. Nice. Who's number one? John F. K. He always wins. <laughs> what about Alicia? What did he ever do? <laughs> Yo, I ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what your country can do for your country. My God. It's getting well, weirder. I'm sorry. I have to. I have to keep making it a stranger and stranger wow, impression. Yeah. Um. God, he always beats me out. He should. He always will. Yeah. You need a library. You need to do a library there. There needs to be a Conan O'Brien library. This is a bad idea. This is a great idea. Hey, about this. A, in Montebello, I bet I could get a Conan O'Brien library if they yes. put the Sonoma Obsession bench out front. I'll take a bench if. But you get a. You want a library? Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. there's more. Fun buildings. What? Like, I More don't... fun than a library? <laughs> Coralie, what do you make of that <laughs> blasphemy? Uh, mm, I don't want to take sides. Okay. Don't you want a school? Wouldn't a school be cool if it's named after you? Oh I go to O'Brien God. High. Yeah, we're, uh, how about that? Yeah, Conan O'Brien School, where all the kids are bullied. <laughs> There are no bullies, only kids who are bullied. <laughs> that go on to be huge bullies. Who's, who's bullying them? Exactly. They have to bring people in to bully them, but they aren't actually part of the curriculum. But They're then they there. leave as bullies. Like yes. they, they get trained into being bullies. Hey, yeah. Yeah. I was taught by my older brothers who bullied me. Not Luke, Neil. Definite bully. Um, <laughs> but then you passed it on probably to like 
Kate and Justin and really Justin. I went hard after Justin. That's not nice. I, it's not nice, but I tried to make it. But up it was for done him. to you, and you did it to your younger brother. That's not cool. Uh, I don't know. O'Brien I, High. Yeah, no, O'Brien High. Only bullied kids, no bullies. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I just don't know why they bust the bullies in. Why don't they, they stop? Bu- they bust them in. It's just what the Conan O'Brien school is. All the kids wear pants that don't fit. They're not long enough. They have- Where did they get the bullies from? Is that another school <laughs> yeah. or like? Yes, the bullies are professional bullies that are shipped in. From- They're paid the same way that the teachers are paid. They have a union. Oh, wow. They're brought in. They bully. And uh, hey, where do you think you're going? Bang! <laughs> hey, what's stuff? from Minnewaka. Hey guys, it's uh, three o'clock. All right, time to check out. Let's go. <laughs> Get in their cars and drive why away. Would they, why would anyone go there? Anyway, look for it soon. Uh, Conan O'Brien uh, Elementary School and you can find it because the uh, Sonom of Sessian three-legged bench. Uh, oh, I don't even have four. <laughs> no, Aww. that's expensive and anytime you try and sit in it, it dumps you. It falls over and dumps you onto the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> also, there's a, also a bacteria on Mars named Conan. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. 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 Well, hey, your own. That too. Okay, boy, we really we really had fun with that story. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sonam Obsessian, and Matt Gorley. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Supervising producer Aaron Blair, associate talent producer Jennifer Samples, engineering by Eduardo Perez, additional production support by Mars Melnick, talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. This episode was mixed and edited by me, Brett Morris. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It could be featured on a future episode. Please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. spread the word when you get a fresh hot mccrispy from mcdonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag don't try to wait till you get home always respect hot chicken the mccrispy only at mcdonald's Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.